that what you were doing on the bridge? Throwing out garbage? I wasn't doing nothing but crossing it. You heard a splash when you drove over. You throw something off? You mean like a kid? Yeah. Like a kid. No, I did not. Do you own a dog, Mr. Williams? No, I do not. Note the hair in the back seat and on the floor mats. What's the rope for? With knots at both ends. And the gloves. Like I said, it's not my car. Mind if we talk where it's more comfortable while they finish up? Drop it. Duncan and Bo come correct. Hey everyone, welcome back to Duncan and Bo Hunt Mines. Uh, time- <laughs> yeah, I like saying it like that. And we only uh, get to do it one more time uh, before the break. So uh, this is the, the season finale of Duncan and Bo Come Correct. Uh, of course, this season we have been looking at the Netflix series Mindhunter, which is all about the behavioral science unit at the FBI and the origins of that. And, uh, you know, interviewing serial killers in this season, of course, uh, all about the Atlanta child murders. And we have the oddball episode nine to discuss uh, this evening. A uh, little uh, odd numbers are not great for this show, Duncan. Um, <laughs> feels like you're walking around with half your pants. Mm. And I, and of course, I mean, uh, half your pants lengthwise, not across the knees. Oh, that seems unfortunate. <laughs> I always wanted disaster. Yeah, I always wondered, like when Two Face from the Batman comics was having his suits tailored. If he was ever like, no, 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 I know it, it's half black, half black, but it's got to be a different kind of black. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a formal event. I can't, I can't do like one side purple. I gotta, I gotta be cool. But obviously, my monster side got to be a little bit cooler than the other side. Yeah, you like to think maybe it's like a, a kind of cotton polyester hybrid on one side and leather on the other. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's how you do it. It's just leather it up. A little bit dangerous. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a bit of a fashionista, so. Yeah, I did. I was aware of that. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed <laughs> following your Instagram um, and all your notes on Milan and how that fashion has changed over the years. Your- yeah, I mean, it's the, this year in particular, I found it more invigorating than Paris, but um, that's just me. It's a controversial statement, and the rest of the community disagrees, but, you know, I've never been one to follow the trend, I tend to say. I mean, what you're, what you're saying, uh, all I hear is fashion, fashion, fashion that's, coming out of your yeah, mouth. Yeah, it's a way of life. <laughs> yeah, it's just who you are. It's just who you are. Um, it is, yeah. <laughs> that's real dumb. <laughs> So, Duncan, uh, as per usual, we're gonna we just recorded the last episode, uh, episode last night. <laughs> last night. So we're gonna go into what we what we've been watching, good and bad. And I'm I'm coming loaded for bear on both sides of this. Um, yeah, I really. I, I might think of something later, right. but I can't, I, at the top of my head, you may spark conversation from me, which would be interesting. So, larva, Duncan. <laughs> a movie from 2005 starring a guy who looks a whole lot like the dad from that original pet cemetery movie but isn't oh um it is uh, a movie where uh hey is this the good or the bad <laughs> this, no this is the bad because it's a movie <laughs> called larva and what happens is you get yourself a farming community and they want to increase the rate of i don't know breeding or some shit so they start giving them chemicals 
and the uh, parasites in these animals gets hold of this chemical. It's a real, uh, you know, be careful uh, not to tinker with Mother Nature kind of story, Duncan. It's, uh, you know, tried and true as Mm -hmm. a plot. And so what happens, Duncan, is these parasites then, uh, or larvae, if you will, um, bust out of the animals and, uh, and eat people. And they look like, they kind of look like gargoyles, which is real weird. All right. And it's real shitty CGI, which isn't great. And it's, I mean, it's not a sci-fi channel movie. I don't think it's a sci-fi channel movie, but it, it's right in that pocket. Where yeah, I, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where I was like, I'm kind of in the mood for a monster movie, and this has, I don't know, almost five stars. That seems promising, maybe, because you know how mm-hmm. it is with horror movies, where you're like, eh, five stars is kind of average, you know, like that. Maybe that's yeah. not awful, and but in this case, it was, uh, it it was a real <laughs> stinkeroonie. Some sometimes things, sometimes stereotypes are true. Yeah, yeah. It, it sometimes those five stars are a little generous, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> As was the case with Larva. Larva. Yeah. Um and directed by Abram Cox, who uh I think has directed some Z Nation episodes. Oh right. It's all coming together. Yeah, yeah. It might actually be a sci fi movie now that it, you said that. It might be uh it, it's it's tough to say because I thought I had read somewhere that it wasn't, but mm-hmm. I also could have made that up. <laughs> so, because that happens sometimes, because I've seen this movie a couple of times on the uh, the streaming service on on Amazon Prime, and I'm mm-hmm. always like, mm, should I should I roll the dice on on Larva, uh, or am I at that place in my life where this seems like a good idea? <laughs> And sometimes the answer to that question is yes, unfortunately. Sometimes it's yes to both. Yeah. <laughs> and so I watched Larva and it was a it was a real stinker. Um but but on the good, uh I wrapped up my um September of the Apes movie nights mm-hmm. with uh Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which is a real fun movie in which Ricardo Montalban uh, jumps out a window rather than face a, a truth machine chair. It's set <laughs> in the future time of 1991. And, yeah, I remember it well. And people use raisins to tip ape waiters. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And Roddy McDowell reprise, that doesn't reprise the role because uh, he dies. Uh, spoilers for um escape from planet of the apes but he dies at the end of escape from planet of the apes but Mm -hmm. if you'll recall duncan at the end of escape from planet of the apes they do a a, what's called the old ape switcheroo where Mm -hmm. cornelius and zira had a baby but after they came back in time to america america decided like hey it's cool if these two apes hang out here but they can't have any babies otherwise we might get one of them planet of the apes so, <laughs> like you do. And and so they do have a baby, though, Duncan. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, you find out that they actually swapped babies when Zira had the child at, uh, at the circus and that Ricardo Montalban owns. I, like, I'm explaining to the, you to the, uh, this to you like you don't know. But Ricardo <laughs> Montalban owns a circus. And uh, so... 
Zira has her baby at the circus and then swaps babies with another gorilla that just had a baby there or another mm-hmm. chimpanzee. And so w- at the end of the movie, when Zira and Cornelius in this baby chimpanzee are murdered by, by humans trying to track them down, you realize, oh, this, uh, this child of Zira's is still in the care of Ricardo Montalban. And so Conquest of the Planet of the Apes takes place about 20 years after that. And Caesar is the ape's name, is also played by Roddy McDowell. And he has come of age in a world in which a virus has killed all the dogs and cats. So humanity has basically turned monkeys into a pet slash slave class that Caesar ultimately leads a revolution to free. It's like your dream world. It is, it, it's a really great movie um, because it deals so explicitly, like a lot of those movies, uh, the, those apes movies are sort of, you know, uh, proxies for what was happening politically at the time. And, yeah, and, yeah. and in fact, we watched the director's cut because the original theatrical cut of the movie had to be tamed down um, uh, by request of the MPAA because in the, in the, um, theatrical cut what happens is uh the the apes basically burn down the ape uh police station you are the 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 place where the apes are all like kept enslaved and reconditioned and shit like that and they're Mm -hmm. marching on the you know marching on the city and uh one of the keepers one of uh, a black dude who they make a lot of bones about like oh of all the people uh caesar says to this guy you would understand what it means to be a slave and that what we are exerting right now is a slave's right to violence because it is the only way we will ever achieve power and it, right it's a really cool movie it's like kind of heady but then at the end of the movie uh they they capture this you know the main dude who has been trying to kill uh caesar this whole time and just straight up murder him and uh but ultimately caesar gives a speech about how ultimately one day that man and and ape can live side by side but in the real version or the director's cut of the movie uh those lines were cut in after the fact the real movie ends with him being like fuck a bunch of humanity it may take thousands of years and it may take you destroying yourselves and us rising from the ashes, but we will never live like slaves again. And the one lesson we've learned is that the only place for humanity is at the feet of apes. And it's like, fuck. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's where the movie ends. It ends with like Roddy McDowell, Caesar being like, fuck a bunch of people. The old, <laughs> the only good human is a dead human. And, I'm not disagreeing with them. Right. I mean, but that's the thing is like one of the arguments that they have at the end of the movie uh, by this black guy that, you know, Caesar kind of spares because of the kindness he showed him. But uh, he's like, you're you're going to you're no better than us if you do this. And he's like, right, that's right. And we can't take the high road with you people because you fucking suck. We just have to eradicate you. And then in a world where there are only apes, then we will have peace. And it's like, all right, well, fair enough. He's just all for genocide. I mean, are you trying to tell me at some point you've been talking, you haven't been in a position where you're talking to a bank teller and they're not giving you the request you want, so you haven't offered them genocide? Look, 
Genocide the is hard. industry all the time with me. So that I did not order this steak. They're... Well done. I ordered it medium rare. I will genocide this whole restaurant. Um, <laughs> if you do not change my order now. And they're like, oh, sorry, Mr. McLeish. And I'm fairly sure they spit in my food before they bring it back, boss. So you, you need to be careful how you play that game. Oh, Duncan, I play the most dangerous game at all times. <laughs> that game, of course, Baccarat. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is is a rad movie. And and maybe besides the original, the best of that series, um, mm-hmm. because it is all about just like fucking revolution, man. It is it is apes meeting in in secret hideouts to share knives. And again, like Caesar is the only smart ape in theory. Like they're all a little bit smarter because of the way that they've been, you know, raised around humans or whatever, according to the science of the movie. But science, Caesar, yeah, science, and uh, but Caesar is the only legitimate like talking ape but uh but yeah but they understand apparently well enough where he's just like every now and again he'll show up and just give an ape another ape a nod and that ape will just start fucking shit up it's great you should uh you should absolutely see it uh anything that you want to mention uh before no 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 i had like i I was kind of hoping that inspiration would strike me but nothing has struck me at all while you were talking so yeah Excellent. Larva. <laughs> Larva. Um, I, you know, I like, I like to try to offer the audience a little, uh, a, a little yin and yang here, you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, don't watch Larva, but Hey, you know what you probably have never seen or haven't seen in years, um, is here's this, uh, conquest of the planet of the apes and it's real good. You should go watch it. Um, Abraham so Ram. What's next month's uh, theme? then for your movie oh it's uh, it's halloween stuff like it's all just horror movies i've already got oh just horror movies yeah yeah i mean it's uh, not a particular theme of horror movies it is just a a month of horror movies so uh, yeah yeah we talked about this like uh we're starting off with evil dead 2 because they're not necessarily horror movie people yeah yeah. so uh we're doing evil dead 2 we're doing poltergeist we're doing wreck we're doing trick-or-treat we're doing halloween that's some pretty good ones in there, Bo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it. I mean, like, it's it's still larva, but, you know. Right. Uh, it, it's a tough sell to get these people like, hey, here's a movie called Larva. <laughs> it is uh, it, it is an allegory yeah. <laughs> about uh, not manipulating uh, grain. Yeah, I've, I've only picked the best possible movies for you guys to watch. We're starting with Green Inferno. <laughs> we're, we're gonna like this one <laughs> yeah like, like a month of eli roth would just be <laughs> three weeks too many <laughs> hey i like to call this one uh have yourself uh dude bro little halloween uh kicking off the 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 movies the lesser known movies or lesser quality movies of eli roth that's right all his movies minus hostel the only good one yeah uh, Start it. Let's start off with Knock Knock, a movie that'll oh dare you not to commit harakiri uh, during the course of the run. So <laughs> all, all sharp objects have been locked away during the course of this movie. Um, no flammable liquids. That's another thing that happens in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Caesar gets all the monkeys to just grab like gallon cans, like those jerry cans of kerosene. Of just like, hey, you get in trouble, you throw this fucker and light it on fire. 
It's oh, it's so good, Duncan. <laughs> bunch of a bunch of nearly talking apes just burning shit down. Oh, like that movie needs to have a soundtrack by Bad Religion. <laughs> I cut you off. You said something about Abraham Ram. Oh, yeah, that's right. Abraham Ram uh, was just pointing something out, Duncan, that I thought I would bring up before we get into uh, Mindhunter. Um, Chris Carter apparently oh. um, has changed the profile picture on Twitter or something uh, to suggest a, a a another episode or another season. They're, of. They're uh, not coming back. They will not. Scully is out. Look, that has not stopped Chris Carter before losing a key member of the cast. Yeah, but you really, you you really, really, really don't have... I don't think you have fans in without Scully. I mean, Mulder can go. That's happened. Right. <laughs> that but, was a thing for a while. <laughs> but we also have Mulder and Scully Jr. Uh, well, yeah. And so yeah, in I theory... Mean, would, I, would I hate that? Would, would I hate seeing a TV show with those two leading it? Probably not. I think most of my issues came from, well, most of my issues came from Chris Carter um, and the fact that that man does not have a fucking clue what he's doing. But I could probably, a soft reboot of sorts might be interesting. Maybe, if they only do Creatures of the Week episodes. Right, if you don't allow him to do the his mythology stuff. Oh yeah, that has to die. You know, that has to die. We cannot, we cannot suffer through that anymore. Yeah, like no I, more smoking man resurrection. No more. Like oh, we cannot. I cannot abide that. But I don't. I just don't know. I don't think that last season was all that successful. So I can't see. And Fox. Well, I suppose Fox is now owned by Disney. Right. So what if it shows up on Disney Plus or something like that? Yeah, maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's making its way over to the Disney streaming site. Maybe, yeah, maybe they're going to announce that or something. Yeah, that that, that would be more plausible. <laughs> that does sound more plausible than, <laughs> hey, we're we're making new X Files. Yeah, no- I don't think like Disney are like tightening the belt when it comes to Fox stuff. They're canceling stuff left, right, and center. And I can't see anyone at Disney going, you know what, sell sold really well and be worth an investment of a lot of our money that we don't have at the moment after all our acquisitions. Another season of X Files, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, you know what, you know what, nobody has been asking me about lately. The X Files. <laughs> Did anyone see? That last episode, yeah, I mean, I have questions. I have questions that only another season can be answered. No, no. Yeah. No, one, no one, no one, no one at all. Nope, nope, nope. Um, nope. Oh, oh, yeah, let's, oh. Duncan and Bo are saying it is not going to happen, but then Duncan and Bo made the wise choice of not covering the previous season. Exactly right. Form. We exactly sidestepped right. that motherfucker like a, like a, like a, a Keanu Reeves in the Matrix being shot at by bullets. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we... That is a hell of a dodge. Um, <laughs> and also, so uh, did we did we talk about this this new Matrix movie? Uh, no, we have not. This is news that has come out in between our recordings. Um, are, are you asking my opinion on it? Yeah, what do you think? I can't give a fuck about it. Honestly, why in a world where John Wick is as good as John Wick is, why would I give a fuck about a Matrix movie? Yeah, all right. I I think I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it brings like to me the Matrix trilogy has one great movie and then two bad to terrible movies. 
you know what I mean? Like that second installment is a, a whole lot of who gives a fuck. And then that third <laughs> movie is just plain bad. It's like stinky. really, you, you know, so I'm thinking to myself and even, even like the way they wrapped up and all the rest, I'm like, do, you know, at the end of that, did I ever think to myself, you know what? One, one more film, one more. Fi-. I, I, I was never like that. Um, and like I say, John Wick, John Wick gives me the kind of Reeves that I want to see in a movie in a hyper-violent situation where he's basically Neo. You know what I mean? In that last John Wick movie, he could fucking vanish in front of people's eyes. So he's basically Neo in that movie. And Lawrence Fishburne's amazing in it. So why would why would I want another movie where they're bringing back those characters? For, for what purpose at all, I don't understand. I mean, they closed it out. They finished the story. I'm I'm done with that. It, to me, reeks of a cynical cash grab and the fact that Keanu Reeves is trending really fucking high right now. It's kind of the same way I feel about Bill and Ted, if I'm honest. I love those two Bill and Ted movies. Do I want to see Bill and Ted as old men? You know, as 50-year-old men? No, I really, really, really don't. I know that's going to upset some of our listeners. I don't. I saw, what was it, Dumber and... Dumber, right? Uh, And that was fucking awful, right? And that first movie, I will argue, is comedic genius. So what I'm saying is that, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like bringing people back after a long period of time for the promise of a you know future story of them does not a good movie make. Um, Sometimes the reason those movies work so well is the time period in which they came out in. Yeah, I I don't disagree with any of that. I would I would say that with that with. Bill and Ted in particular, that I trust Alex Winter. I think Alex Winter wrote the script, and I think he's kind of a fun filmmaker. I thought Freaked was kind of fun, um, and he wrote that as well. And I like he seems to have. It seems to there. There seems to be more of a reason for a Bill and Ted sequel to exist. Like there's, it, it feels like there's creatively they are going to say something with it, you know. Like I don't expect it to be super deep or anything, but just like oh, this is a story about you know uh, like fatherhood or something like that. Like I, I think there's more of a chance that you're going to get a story like that out of Bill and Ted's than you know another Matrix movie where it's like well. The thing that made the Matrix so cool was that you had no idea what the Matrix was. And the yeah. answer to that question was really cool until you started explaining it in minute <laughs> detail. And you mean you weren't convinced? You, you mean the answer you did not seek all along was the architect and the oracle? Yeah, I mean, it's, <sighs> it, 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 you know, it, it, it's partially the argument I make about, you know, I, I'm probably wrong about this, but the, uh, the Joker movie, which I can't wait to see. Don't get me wrong. I want to see Joaquin Phoenix doing anything and doing a psychotic in the uh, spirit of Taxi Driver is fine. I just kind of wish it wasn't a Joker movie. I completely disagree. I, d- I, I know you do. I, I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I want. I, I think if you were ever going to do it with any character, that's the character to do it with. Maybe so. I hear it's great, and like I said, I it's getting my money. I I'm not suggesting for a second that I'm not going to see that movie. I'm not looking forward to seeing that movie. I I just wish that it were attached to a different property. I suppose. It, like I don't want to know that much of a backstory. I want that character be a, to be left as a bit of an enigma, and but, that's but what I like about that character. The, yeah, but isn't and this is just an alternative? Right. Telling. It's a, and we've already yeah. had what. 
four iterations of this character already, where I'm like that. Yeah, that character isn't all that sacred now. Let's be honest. We've had four completely different versions. So if they want to take it in a different direction and they want to pull it out with the, the kind of known universe for, for, for Batman, I am totally down with that. I think, yeah. I, no, I I'm, think this kind of tragic... Like, I think in 2019, this Joker movie might be the movie that we not only need to see, but we fucking deserve. <laughs> you're 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 probably right. Like I said, I just don't. I'm I'm I, I've had enough origin stories, no matter how good they are in in a lot of ways. And um, but I you look, I I ain't fronting here. I'm gonna see that movie. You're probably right. Everything I hear about it suggests that it is timely, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, let me let me hypothesize this then. What gave Logan a free pass then? Uh, I mean, like, I mean did, well, did, did I, you I, it's not. Him? Did you did you ever sit and find yourself? when watching those X-Men movies thinking, I wonder what would happen if Wolverine was an old man. Well, but also that like that old man Logan character had been around. That wasn't surprising. So when they were like, hey, this is a movie set in the future where it's Logan kind of old and Professor X old and crazy. It's like, oh, right, that. That's cool. So <laughs> it was, you yeah, know, that's I, baked I, in. Yeah, but I'd like, so, but it's what you... So what you're saying then is as long as it's written down somewhere in well, some sort of comic media and then it gets a pass for being I'm, a movie. I'm saying that Logan in particular, A, not really an origin story. B, yes, it's an alternative take, but it's one that has been around for a while. Um, whereas with Joker, I'm fine to do an alternative take. You're, you're right about that. Uh, like if they wanted to do like Gotham by Gaslight where it's like Victorian Batman, I'm totally down for that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind different interpretations of these characters. I, like I said, I just, if it were a Joker movie where it's like, oh, he is already the clown prince of crime and he's just into the shit. I would be more excited by that than like, oh, here's the secret origin story of this character. Um, even though I just it don't know like if it's, it's been hypothesized as that, though. I don't think it's been hypothesized as that. I, I thought the whole purpose was that this is a completely standalone entity that's not going to tie into anything. Like you're not going to see Joaquin Phoenix in the next Batman movie, right? You know what I mean, right? That's like well, this is just a you know let's just take the the idea or intellectual property of a character and let's just fuck with it. And I think nowadays, like I would much rather watch that. Than and see where that goes in a darker setting where you have genuinely a dark character. I mean, like everyone had made all these like like you told me what you explained to me the intricate nature of what a Thanos character in the comic books was like, and then I watched the heavily neutered version in that fucking Avengers movie. You were telling me all about you wanted to fuck death and all the rest. And I was like, is there anything more metal than that? Let me see. No, I didn't get that. I got this kind of, you know, like, kind of maybe even sanitary version of him. Um, And a lot of respects, considering what you kind of spelled out, that, you know, sounds to me like someone's got that. You know, who's like a really creepy villain who could be really volatile and, you know, it could be could be the joke. Once again, we, I've not seen it. I don't know how far they're going to go into that at all. It could just be like two and a half hours of Joaquin Phoenix going fucking crazy and his persona that he puts on to become crazy rather being a crime lord is, you know, he dons on some clown makeup and he starts fucking people up. I want to see that movie. <laughs> like, sure. Like, but like that that movie, he that Lynn Ramsey movie, uh, he, he wasn't there. 
he was yeah 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 no, uh yeah. you you were never really here yeah yeah from like last year the year before was fucking incredible like yeah. absolutely jaw-droppingly good where i'm like that if you want to put clown makeup on him and do exactly the same movie i will pay to see that and not only will i pay to see that i will be excited to watch it and he's like he is the he's the character is inconsequential it's his performance that will either make or break that movie i think and feel and like all the scorsese stuff that i'm seeing from the and the director it's coming from i think that's the curveball just now is like everyone's like i can't believe this comedic director's doing and i'm like at, at what point like if you do some silly comedy movies that doesn't necessarily mean that you know you're you, you can't direct something that's you know got a bit of clout and a bit of weight to it. I think directing comedy is probably one of the hardest things to do. To direct a good comedy movie is probably harder than directing a drama. Yeah, that but that's movie. that's just old stereotypical Hollywood thing. It's a the you know listen to John Carpenter for five minutes. He'll tell you all about getting pigeonholed into a horror directing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, but my favourite, like, I, I told this story recently on podcast Under the Stairs uh, when we were doing the summer series and we were talking about vampires. Um, and one of my favourite, favourite things is on the Blu-ray, the indicator release for, I think it's Ghosts of Mars um, in the UK. There's like a whole, se- they released both Ghosts of Mars and Vampires on Blu-ray about the same time. I got them both. And on the Ghost of Mars one, there is a Q&A with John Carpenter. It's in between Village of the Damned and Vampires. So he's in between projects. He's done his Village of the Damned movie. He's over in the UK for whatever reason. And he's been interviewed in front of a lot of, like one of these ones. So he's probably been invited over to introduce the movie. And there's a Q&A at the end. And he's getting he's getting some questions flung at him. And he's been the usual, like, John Carpenter is the coolest guy on the planet. I wish he was my dad. So the interview, he just doesn't, he just does not give a fuck. And yeah. that's kind of what makes me love him so much. It's like, he just doesn't care. And um, they ask him about his upcoming projects. He's like, well, I don't have anything at the moment. And the guy's like, you know, nothing you really want to do. And he's like, well... I want to do a western. I've always wanted to do a western. It's like, but you know, they'll just they'll not give John Carpenter money to do a western. So that's you know, it's never going to happen. I've resigned myself to that fact. Is I try and put them in where I kind of put my little references to the movies that I loved growing up into into the stuff that I do. But I'll never get that. And they're like, well, you know, if you can't tell us, well, if you can't tell us what you really want, what is it you don't want to do? He's like, I'll tell you what, I'll never do is I'll never make a movie about vampires. He's like that. No interest in that at all. That's been done to death. It's just something that doesn't interest me. Q. One and a half years later, John Carpenter's Vampires, a Western mm. movie with vampires. <laughs> so right. he's like, "Do you want to do this vampire movie? Can I make it a Western?" Yes, sold. Because <laughs> like, sometimes you just do what you can do and make it your own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody's going to fault him for, you know, making a living doing what what it is that John Carpenter was clearly born to do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, you, you ready to talk about this final episode of Mindhunter, Duncan? Yeah, but this is, a, this is the, the sort of thing that gets me excited because I was concerned for the audience that they have literally just finished watching this episode just before we started recording because I've tried to keep it to as close to recording dates to watch... So um, on the kind of cliffhanger end of the previous episode, and then coming to this one, finding it was about an hour and 15 minutes long, I was like, there's a whole hell of a lot of Wayne's Williams story to fit in here. 
I don't, are they going to drop me on a cliffhanger at the end of this? You know, like, and, and I was concerned. I was surprised how much story they crammed into an hour and 15 minutes for this one. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of shit going down in, in this episode, uh, which is episode nine. Uh, first season, only eight episodes. Uh, this season, uh, so nice. They they gave you one more episode. <laughs> is how so is the saying. That's clearly the saying. <laughs> New York, New York, of course. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, and so yeah, this this is you know taking place immediately after they pull Wayne Williams over, and he's like, they're like, hey, do you do you know why we pulled you over? And he's like, yeah, it's probably about them boys. <laughs> and they're like, fuck, this guy is guilty as shit, y'all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, they like open up. Holden's got a, like that kind of smug kind of black man between twenty and thirty. Mm-hmm. Called yeah. it. He he hasn't been this excited since Gunn told him that they were going to talk to Manson. You know? <gasps> Excuse me, Mr. Manson, sir. Right. He's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so they're hunting for a body in the water. Like, it, it's a really creepy shot of, like, these flashlights pointing down into the inky waters. Yeah. And, and it's Holden telling Bill, like, hey, they still haven't found a body. And Bill's like, well... If there's no body, we can't hold him forever. And Holden's like, how about we just ask him if we can search his car and see what he says? Bill's like, fine, if he's that dumb, sure. Uh-huh. And they, they, so they walk back over to the car where Jim is kind of questioning Williams about what were you doing out here? What's going on? And Holden, as he's going by, he's like, hey, you mind if we look in your car real quick? He's like, yeah, go ahead. And Holden's like, <laughs> so... <laughs> It fumbles, drops his plastic gloves at his, his pocket because he's that excited. Right, right. Like, be cool, be cool, Holden, be cool. <laughs> be, be cool, baby, it's cool, it's cool. <laughs> this guy totally did it, he totally did it. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Um, But he's, so he starts looking through the car and Jim keeps talking to him about like, what are you doing out here? What, where were you headed? And he tells this crazy story about like, hey, I'm a photographer, but I'm also in the music business and I'm uh, going to meet this girl named Cheryl Johnson tomorrow morning. Here's her number. Feel free to give it a call. And he get like, even tells him uh, in a real, uh, just almost taunting way. Where he's like, yeah, sometimes that's a four. That last number is a four. Because yeah. my dad tells me sometimes my fours look like nines. I just want to be be sure. And Jim's like, yeah, try them both. All right, let's. This guy seems giant. It, like, uh, there's so much shit coming out of this guy's mouth right now. Have you ever heard them talk in real life? Uh-uh. Right. So, once again, I'm going to pimp this again one more time for the people out there. The, there is a podcast called uh, Atlanta Monster. It's like a. F- like 14 or 15 part series and it's incredible and the guy who does that investigation talks almost serial style with like you know how they did the uh, Sarah Koenig did the whole interview thing with Adnan but she would speak to him over the phone they do exactly the same with Wayne Williams and they have nailed this guy perfectly like the way because he is supremely confident but ultimately you don't have to push too hard to realize that everything he says like incriminates him maybe <laughs> like you know it's like yeah it's it, they, and like every, i'll give them their credit everything that they do cover on this even though it is sensationalized and fictionalized to an extent because 
you know, for the show. All the events that happen in here are pretty much true to the story. But right from the off, the story he gives is almost inviting attention. You know, it's not detracting. It's inviting attention by being vague enough or, like, semi-plausible to the point that if someone really wants to push in to to ask something, you know, he will give a little bit more information. But it might potentially contradict. And if you start to pull him up on that, or have an answer for that really, really, really quick. And, like, his story here is that he was on this bridge because at three in the morning he decided that he was going to drive to a payphone to phone this girl who phoned his parents uh, under the guise of coming in to do an audition because she had an amazing voice. But he knows what street address she lives, but not the house number. Um, And that's why he's got the phone number and he was going to phone her at three in the morning. I mean, that's some straight-up bullshit, Bo. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. And the whole idea of like, oh, I'm taking a practice run to her place. Yeah, bullshit. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, yeah, in the middle of a time period where you know for a fact that the police and the FBI are trying to track down a child murderer. Right. And then in the back seat, Holden is like, you have a dog, Mr. Williams? Because he sees a little bit of hair in the back seat. Um, and uh, he's like, no, I don't have no dog. And he's like, uh huh. Do you have a reason to have this length of rope and pair <laughs> <Yes>. of gloves? <laughs> Is there any particular reason why you have a kill kit on your floor here? Yeah, I mean, it like holding is just like, what the fuck, you guys? Yeah. And <laughs> this guy totally did it. And yeah, every, every 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 time Wayne Williams turns around to look at Bill, Holden's like doing fingers above his head, going, "This guy did it! This guy, him, him!" <laughs> Lifting the rope up, pretending to strangle himself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? The gloves he, do fit. No need to quit. Yes. Bill, I I think he's ilty gay. <laughs> and Bill has a great moment too. Like after Wayne Williams, after they find the like the rope in his car and whatnot, Bill just like takes him by the shoulder and is like, Wayne, you want to have a talk over here where it's a little more comfortable <laughs> in the backseat of our cruiser? <laughs> he totally Chris Hansen's him. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, then there, Bill and uh, Holden get in the car with Williams and Bill just starts in like, why are you mean this girl at 3 a.m.? And, you know, Wayne just keeps spouting this bullshit about like, oh, I didn't know exactly where I was going, so I was going to see if I could find out if it, well, kind of where she lived. I mean, that's why she was vague about it. That's why I was making this run tonight. And they're like, huh, you have any reason to throw anything off a bridge? I didn't throw nothing off a bridge. You know, just stuff like that. And Bill is like, can you give me a second? Let me get out and make a phone call real quick. And then when he gets back into the car, he's like, hey, we got to we gotta cut him loose. Yeah. And... Holden's like, no, he did it. Yeah, like, Bill. And and Bill, though, is like, hey, we don't have anything on him. There's no body. There's no evidence of a crime. And so there's no no reason to hold it. And uh, Holden's like, fine, fine. And, you know, they let him go. And then Holden goes over to the cops who were, you know, kind of the local police who were there uh, when, when they pulled him over. And he's like, "Hey, g- give me, give me that length of rope that we found in his car." And they were like, um, "You just said to log it. I just yeah. wrote down that it was there." And Holden's like, "What the? F- you didn't get the rope and gloves?" 
and our sample of the hair or anything? And they're like, no, we didn't know we were supposed to. And he's just like, oh, son of a bitch, I'm going to kill all of you. (laughs) (laughs) And Bill is just like, fuck this. I'm going to go home for Memorial Day. And Holden's like, what the fuck? Where is everybody going? We got the guy. Yeah. (laughs) And. He's just like he's losing his goddamn mind. Yeah, but but, but I was like, I'm gonna go home for Memorial Day. But if anything, even slightly trivial, gives me an excuse to come back down here. You give me a phone and let me know. Right. <laughs> not married to this. Just just FYI. Do you not want to go home? Want to come back down here? Just needing an excuse. Just saying. Yeah, and <laughs> so then we have Jim and and Holden talking, kind of by the riverside as the the search for the body continues and. Uh, Bill has taken off and they're just kind of trying to, you know, put a plan together to deal with Williams, who already has presented himself as this kind of audacious, like there, I've done nothing wrong, you know, kind of, kind of dude. And, but they're talking about all the bullshit and they're like, how, how could he tell us all that when he knows we can disprove this and catch him in a lie and Holden's like, well, then let's go do that. Let's go catch him in a lie. And so they take off to interview Wayne Williams again. Meanwhile, uh, Bill and Nancy are at home having having <laughs> breakfast, a, a happy family breakfast. No, no, Bill and Bill and Nancy are at home. Bill wants breakfast, and Nancy's not cooking. Fuck all. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's like, "Where's breakfast?" And she's like, "There's cereal in the cabinet, motherfucker." And he's like, "Oh, some wrong, Nance." <laughs> I love how like, like Bill realizes that he has to make his own cereal, a job that is not difficult, and decides to go without breakfast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just just stick with the coffee and cigarette enhance. Um, and then uh, he he asks her like, "Hey, how come Brian's not outside? You know, playing in the sunshine?" Ha ha. Yeah, Right, and he's and like, "There's yeah. like a Brian in this episode. Actually, there's something but- like the very very little of him." There, there is, and then uh, Nancy is like, "Well, Brian doesn't come out in the sunlight anymore." Bill uh, <laughs> says it burns his skin. Yeah. Um, well, what she actually says, she can't be around pure things anymore. Like um, the cereal that you would have had would have been dry cereal because when he gets near milk, it curdles. <laughs> uh, there's a reason there's no flowers in the house anymore, and the grass is now barren outside. <laughs> He keeps asking for a pet, and Bill, I just don't know what he'll do with it. <laughs> Mother, I would like a cat, please. <laughs> Bring me the cat! How many times must I ask you for this simple feline favor, Mother? <laughs> feline favor. <laughs> what I do with a cat is no one's business but mine and the animals. <laughs> uh, and I'm like Dr. Doolittle, but far more sacrificial. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I... There was an old television commercial that a song went, talk to the animals at the zoo. That's just what I intend to do, mother. And then eviscerate them. (laughs) Have you ever seen a living thing, mother, and thought, I wonder what that would look like inside out? (laughs) Have you ever seen black in the moonlight? Uh, Blood in the moonlight kind of looks black. (laughs) One were naked. Mother, I now see moonlight like daylight, and that is why I can no longer go outside. <laughs> I belong to the night folk now. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> and none of that happens. None of that happens. N- right. None of none of that really happens <laughs> in the show. Instead, uh, after she's like, "No, he just plays in his room now," and she's like, "Hey, um, you you remember when I talked about moving? We should do that because nobody plays with him anymore." Yeah, I, I tried to set up play dates, and every parent is out of town. In quotation marks. Right, and she's like, and not just playdates for him, like, you know, it doesn't say this directly, but very much implies, like, she is being shut out of the community, you know, that they are, they are, you know, have a scarlet letter on them as a family now. Mm-hmm. And Bill, again, says, well, you know, I just think Brian needs stability right now, Nancy. And she's like, all right, I guess you're right, Bill. Mother. <laughs> and... So then we cut back to uh, Holden and Jim who show up at Wayne Williams' house. And Holden, as he walks by, kind of peeps in to uh, Williams' car, which has been scrubbed in like completely clean now. Yeah, it looks like he has hired Harvey Keitel to come out and spend a bit of time as Winston Wolf around his car. Right. <laughs> Every time I touch one of these dog hairs, I go TNT Superfly motherfucker. <laughs> so they they're they're asking him again about like what was what did you do yesterday? What led to you being on that bridge? And he gives them this list of like I did this. I went and pick picked up a, a check from this place. And then I went to this other club, and then I decided that I was going to go try to find this house and. They're like, okay, okay. And and so what do you do? He's like, well, I'm kind of a talent scout, really. And he has these flyers of like, hey, come, I, I'll record a demo with you. And he he lays out this whole philosophy of like, I don't make any money right now. I'm just kind of hustling. And what I do is I record these demos from these kids. And if they get famous and if they're good, then I'm going to manage them. And that's how I'm going to make money off of this. But I'm not making any money on it right now. Yeah. As soon as he hands a flyer, Holden's like, can I keep one of these? And he's like, yeah, of course. Sure. Right. And, you know, there are maydays everywhere for him being like a creepy pedophile. Yeah. (laughs) And, and they're asking him like, you know, you work with kids. He's like, yeah, of course I work with kids, but I don't, you know, you're, you're making it sound like it's something seedy and that's not the case. I'm, you know, again, I'm trying to make money on their talent essentially. No, no, you're ignorant. You're ignorant. (laughs) Right. And so Holden excuses himself to go to the bathroom and very intentionally, goes the wrong way and finds that there is, in fact, a dog in the house. Yeah, he opens that door and about shits himself when the dog's like, does this look like I'm smiling, motherfucker? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, a real vicious dog. And But when they finally get the door closed again and Holden is like, hey, man, you said you didn't have a dog. And, uh, and Wayne Williams says, no, that's, that's my father's dog. That's not mine. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm, we are kind of parsing words in a way that does not (laughs) look good for you, Wayne. And there is a moment like after Holden gets back and he's like, well, why, why are you talking to me about all this? And Holden is like, well, we have, uh, you know, a profile that we're building of, of this killer and starts to talk about like what their profile is. And when he gets to the part, when he says, um, we believe that he receives sexual gratification 
from these acts. The look on Wayne Williams' face of just this kind of faraway stare. Yeah. Like, he's looking at him, but it's clear that he, like, something's going on behind his eyes that is not cool. And uh, he goes kind of quiet. And then they end up um, having to take off, and they're going to go follow up on Wayne Williams' story about picking up this check from a kind of low-ball recording studio called Hotlanta. Mm-hmm. Which, and, to be honest, if I had a, anything in Atlanta, I would call it Hotlanta. Anything at all. Yeah, I, my understanding, uh, we're we're about four hours away from Atlanta. Um, my understanding is that Hotlanta is kind of a, a, a common nickname for Atlanta in general. Yeah, I mean, you ideally don't want to be in Atlanta, but own a sunbed salon called Hotlanta. That's pretty good. What if you had um, a spicy wing chain called Hotland? Ooh, ooh, I like it. I like it. I like it. Or you could go ironically and have an ice rink called Hotlanta. Hotlanta on ice? Oh, yeah. Imagine. All right. It's trademarked. Listeners, you can't do shit about it now. That's um, right, motherfuckers. Going to be millionaires. Yep. Woo! Th- this is where our money is coming from. And this week. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> Atlanta on ice. It's w- let's combine them. It's it's an ice show like Disney on ice, but it's all people making and serving hot wings. Oh, could you imagine the mess? You can only yeah. skate with wings in your hands, like proper saucy wings. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> At best, like you get a pass if one hand is dip and one hand is wing. Oh, you should have a way to wear one of those party hats that have like it's like the sombrero party hats, that right? With like, the salsa around it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that's all filled with blue cheese <laughs> to keep your balance. You have to hold two giant celery sticks. The the number of times. I've had to say, pardon my blue cheese hat, is <laughs> higher than you would think. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, what the hell's happening on this show? Oh, yeah, yeah, they go to Hotlanta. <laughs> and um, they're, the guy who owns the place, and again, it's just this low-rent recording studio. And they're like, so can we get a copy of some of the demos that Wayne Williams has been recording? And he's like, there ain't no demos. He's like, they're like, ain't no demos, fool. Right. He's ain't like, no playing, Hannibal. Most of the <laughs> What? Are, what? Why are, did we suddenly veer to A-team territory? Because it felt fitting. All right, because we fair did enough. a whole A-team skit on the XFL show that doesn't exist. You well, can't even remember right. that, can you? Uh, no, I, I, I don't remember it. Duncan, my memory is so shitty at this point. <laughs> Everything is a fucking surprise to me. A team just looks like it was probably shot in Atlanta. Um, you're, you, I, I mean, I, no, I'm sure that was probably shot in L.A. Was it? Yeah. Really? I mean, you would think so. All right, well, look, we don't have to live in ignorance. Hang on. We don't have to. We have technology on our side. Right. And quick, nimble fingers and Duncan's ability to talk at length while Bo types things and seamlessly making it look like in the blink of an eye, we will come up with answers. Answers that may surprise you, um, Bo. The entire film was shot at various locations in Canada, including Kamloops, Vancouver, Cash Creek, 
and Ashcroft, British Columbia, with much of the studio works being done at Mammoth Studios. Canada! Oh, Canada, your A-team shows are good. <laughs> your hot Atlanta sets are great. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, if you, le- again, you learn something. Yeah, edutainment, Duncan. How this many is, times do we have to say this? This is true. This is what the show is built on. Mm-hmm. It is built on being both informative and entertaining. <laughs> I'm not sure which part of that you're laughing about, but All I, of resent, it. I resent it equally. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, he's like, oh, sometimes Wayne just gets these kids and hangs out with them in the booth and they just kind of laugh and talk and whatnot. And he's like, look, he's a paying, he pays his, all his bills. I feel bad for his father. His father's the one who's paying for all this. And, you know, but otherwise it's, it seems pretty harmless. Like whatever he's into is whatever he's into, man. I'm not, you know, not here to judge. I am mm-hmm. just, I am just here to make a living like everyone. And, uh, at any rate, um, yeah. So that seems suspicious and a bit pedophilic. Ooh, Nice. And, uh, anyway, he also mentioned seeing him with a bunch of scratches up and down his arms and they're like, huh, you know, like what kind of scratches? And he's like, ah, you know, I mean, it's like, look like somebody kicked his ass a little bit. Yeah. He plays this off. He says that Wayne Williams doesn't have a mean bone in his body. In fact, when he came in with the scratches, he claimed he fell into a bush, but it realistically looked like someone kicked his ass. Right. And uh, anyway, like Holden and Jim kind of trade that look that's like, he had some scratches, you guys. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then when back on the riverside is they're just kind of, you know, summarizing what's just happened. And Jim is like, hey, where this timeline of the scratches, because he said it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago or something like that. And he, he said uh, that matches up with the disappearance of this kid named Terry, mm-hmm. who had a reputation as being a, like a tough kid and a bit of a fighter. Had a reputation as being a bit scary. Oh, bitch. Mm. Good God, scary. Duncan. <laughs> scary Terry's like, Mom, what am I saying Bitch. <laughs> I swear, I feel like you've lost your mind on this show. I don't know. Like, I can't hear the name Terry anymore without thinking, like, like, Rick and Morty has ruined the name Terry for me. Even Terry Crews now, whenever I look at him, I'm going, oh, bitch. Man, you, you, like, you have been ruined by Rick and Morty. <laughs> Root. So I'm working on a biography of Bismarcky. Just so I can hang out with him at uh, parties as the movie is being made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can be like, hey, it's Bo and Biz. Bo and Biz. <laughs> Starting a podcast called The Busy Buddy. Ooh, oh, man. I know. I know. I know. You're welcome. Oh, you can have that. You can I, have that. I'm taking it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bill... Uh, is, uh, you know, doing Memorial Day shit, hanging out grilling with Brian, who was like, what is this you've done to this meat father? What has it done to you? Why have you punished it so? And may I do it also? <laughs> yes, closer to the flames, father, closer to the flames. 
strange, I don't feel heat, father. But perhaps you do. Yes, as your cheek goes closer and closer to those scorching grills. I wonder if you'll have the marks of a steak on your cheek when I'm done with you, father. And now I've let you go. That was a lesson. Do not cross me, father. <laughs> like, like Bill's teaching him how to cook a burger, which is the most banal thing ever. But Nan seems happy about it. He's talking about pressing down firm and all the rest. And everything looks kind of like things are slowly getting back on track. Nothing's going to spoil this perfect weekend at all. Nothing. Nope. Except uh, a phone call that comes in from Holden, who's like, hey, we've got a warrant from the the DA on the table, but we he wants to have all the attending officers there, um, or he's not going to sign off on it. Mm-hmm. And Bill's like, son of a bitch. If if I do that, what that means is I now have to get on a plane, go back to Atlanta over the holiday, just so you know we can get this warrant for Wayne Williams. And you know, of course, he's going to go because that's who Bill is. But Nancy is not thrilled. Um, no, the, like. To be honest with you, and I don't know if you felt similar, but at this point, I was like, the writing is on the wall. (laughs) Right, right. So, you know, uh, because Holden is telling Bill, like, hey, we got to do, like, uh, this guy had flyers. That's how he was getting the kids in the car. Like, this is him, Bill. You need to get down here. And he just kind of strolls outside, and he's like, sorry, Nance. I got to go catch a killer. And she's like, no problem. Have a good time. See you later, fucker. Um, (laughs) Or not. Right. We'll get to it. But um, there are two things. Like, (laughs) Nancy left two things in the house. I thought she was going to, or one thing in the house. I thought she was going to leave, too. Um, (laughs) I'll I'll tell you where I actually thought this was going when we get to and um, what I had in my head was infinitely darker. So right, okay, I'm I'm probably with you, but anyway, so Bill Holden and Jim meet with this DA who is the same guy that they fucked over with uh, Jeremy Gardner. Yes, and um, the DA is repeatedly saying the guy like, that was whacking in the tool shed. Right. Well, he was like, "Hey, you don't have <laughs> when he was spaffing on the side of the road." Yeah, uh, spaff. Yep. I remember some things. And then uh, he keeps saying, like, you guys don't have any direct evidence to link this guy to any of these murders. And Bill says, look, all we're asking for here is surveillance for 24 hours. We can get a, a, a higher you know, caliber warrant if, if that yields anything. But for right now, we just want to watch him for a day. And the DA says, you know what? I'm gonna. It's Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to think about it for a weekend. And I don't want to see any of you again until I've made my decision, essentially. Yeah. So what they decide to do is preempt this by starting to do some paperwork, getting things written up. They're arguing on what percentage they think is likely to be signed off on here. Uh, Some are going as high as 50-50%. Some are going as far as 30-70. And uh, as they're flipping through the channels... um, the leader of, what was the name of the group again? Stop. Stop. Yep. The leader of Stop is on the TV. She's went all the way to Washington, D.C., and she's complaining specifically about uh, police negligence when it comes to children of color being 
murdered and investigated. And wouldn't you know, Bo, that if you go to the Capitol, you go right to where the heart of politics is, where the president sits, and you moan about racism, the wheels of justice start to turn a bit quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Miss Bell is awesome. Oh, she uh, kicks ass. Yeah. All the way and through this episode, she's kicking ass. Yes. and But as they're watching her on television, though, the call comes in from the DA, and he has given them 24 hours. Yeah. So the next scene is probably, there's not a lot to say about it, really, but it's probably one of the coolest scenes of the episode, I think, where now that they have this warrant, they've got to go put a tracker on the car and then a bug in there as well. And so there's just this dude whose job it is to do that shit to break into somebody's car. So they like, they go up to Wayne Williams house late at night. The, his car is in the driveway. This dude gets out, uh, puts a, a tracker underneath the car and then Jimmy's the lock, uh, which you can't do now, uh, in the same way, which is a, a bit of a bummer. But mm-hmm. um, Jimmy's the lock and then is, uh, gets inside. But as he does that, they're kind of radioing him because a light has come on in the house. And they're like, who the fuck is up at this time of night? And um, then a light comes on in another part of the house and Bill radios the guy again. And he's like, hey, he's on the move. But this dude has like dropped the bug and... It's this real tense scene where he's like trying to find it and get it placed. And meanwhile, somebody is clearly coming outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he does. He gets it all placed, gets in the car. And it turns out that it was just the the father uh, all along just taking the dog out. But anyway, it's a really cool scene. I really like that scene a lot. So then they're, uh, they, they're doing physical su- surveillance on him, too, where they're just watching him as he stands on a street corner just handing out flyers and shit. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, Lee Harvey Oswald. And uh, is that probably the go-to for people handing out flyers? Well, I think so, yeah. I think that's that's the only one I can... The only famous flyer hander-outer that I can think of. Um, so, at any rate... It is worth saying that we have not been able to link Cuba or Russia to uh, Wayne Williams' hand out flyers. Notice the emotion that he used in handing those flyers. It was back... <laughs> And to the left. Back. Back and... <laughs> Y'all are crazy. I, I I just hand them to people like they walking by. Uh, <laughs> but, like, the thing about this is that we're trying to, like, we haven't quite managed to successfully bug his car with audio, but we can track him. So, because we can track him, we probably don't need that many police officers tailing him. Right. Should be the thought in everyone's mind here. Unfortunately, that memo didn't go out, Bo, because half of fucking Hotlanta PD is in their vehicles fucking following this guy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, every time he gets in his car and drives somewhere, there's a, like a literal parade. And Holden is just like, hang the fuck back. Hang the fuck back, everybody. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's he is going to see us. It is obvious. And also, he and Bill are kind of debating the fact that like, Hey, you know, there's really no reason for Wayne Williams to have become a killer based on what we know of his, uh, of his family life. At least, you know, he seems yeah, to have been they're, they're going back through all the specific things that would make a Wayne Williams killer. Right. If you know what I mean? Like all the stuff that they have learned, um, you know, we, we should now know 
like in terms of sexually motivated, in terms of you know abusive parents, uh, like we're going through absolutely every little thing. And whilst we're doing this, we're realizing that this is still very early in the you know in the world of this sort of you know forensic psychopathology to an extent of we're still kind of trying to find out the justifications for these killers. And you know if it doesn't fit this paradigm maybe it fits this paradigm or maybe it doesn't fit any paradigm that we're aware of yet and that's what's kind of Wayne Williams as a character in this particular show really constantly gives them the run around and when they think they kind of do have an idea of what he is doing he kind of circumnavigates that it's really quite fascinating if you're into that sort of thing um but they can't quite get a handle on it. They're trying to fit it into the templates they have. And it turns out it doesn't fit into any of them, really. Yeah, Bill has a great line here where, uh, as they're talking about that, he says, yeah, I knew an Irishman who drank milk, too. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> hey, just some people aren't, aren't, aren't like the stereotype. And, mm-hmm. and we have to account for that as well. And anyway, as they're following him around, they're kind of debating all this stuff of, you know, is he a narcissist? Is he not a narcissist and all that stuff? And they've track him to uh, a drive through, like a, a fast food drive through. And mm-hmm. he goes through and as he's passing by, you know, like Bill is doing the thing where he kind of slumps down in the seat and kind of half ass covers his face. And then Wayne Williams just stops his car right across the street from him gets out with a bag in hand, goes over to the car, taps on the window, and they're like, son of a bitch. And he gives them a bag of food, and it's like, hey, I, I thought you guys might be hungry. And he's just like, oh, yep. shit. All right, well, we, we've we been made. Yeah, gives them, gives them the food. While they're eating the food, sneaks around, shoves a couple of bananas up the tailpipe bowl. Man, I thought the same thing. I could not not think. It's been ruined for us. Yeah. <laughs> Of like, yeah, we're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> I ain't going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's a real <laughs> but, problem. But the, like, so I watch, I tend to watch everything with subtitles. I do it, like, just instinctively. Everything I watch has just got subtitles on it. Um, it was great about the subtitles is the police chatter of the, the radio. I don't know if you made out any of this when you were watching it. Oh, uh, no. What was it? I, c- oh, they're like, they're like, hey, handed something over. Uh, don't, don't worry. It's, uh, it's probably a two ninety nine special. Oh, damn. Fried chicken. <laughs> 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 nice. Um, <laughs> they're, all, they're, they're all excited about what Neil Wayne Williams has given the two main police officers, which is kind of just basically ruined this surveillance. All that hard work is fucked. Yeah, uh, and they're all talking about food, and then you cut the next shot, and everyone's eating. <laughs> right, see these times. Yeah, because now that they're made, they're just like, okay, we're just gonna they they do um, what is it called? Bumper locking him in. Yeah, where you just make your presence known to just try to put the heat on him. Yeah, because if they can't do the idea being if you if this is a compulsion and you can't scratch the itch that you have eventually you will do something silly in order to you know to scratch that itch and thus be caught which i think is true like i, I think that is like a, a workable tactic even though it feels like a heavy abuse of civil rights um 
it, I think it does actually work with serial killers. I think uh, John Wayne Gacy was surveilled like so much towards the end that he started like throwing bodies in the river, really making mistakes, and then ultimately thought the police had too much on him, and then confessed to his lawyer. So it's you know it's this idea of you if you apply just enough pressure to the right places, knock them off their groove, they will make a mistake. When they make that mistake, Bo, they're yours. Right. Except Wayne Williams is a bit unlike anyone they they've dealt with before. And no, because he he meets it. He apparently meets it head fucking on. Right. You know, and and this kind of plays into the is he a narcissist or not? And it it certainly seems to be that's the case but um so a neighbor well, doesn't Holden have that great line where he says something all the lines of you know he's your classic narcissist you know thinks he's smarter than everyone else you know guys like that and bill's looking right. i'm like yeah i do it's right beside me yeah right now <laughs> yeah holden is not the most self-aware uh for sure no <laughs> but so this neighbor comes out and is like hey can you guys move these cars i'm just trying to get to work man and uh, he's like, I didn't have anything to do with Wayne. And they're like, Hey, how do you know that this is about Wayne Williams? He's like, cause it's always something about Wayne Williams guys, a fuck up. And, uh, also he's a weirdo. Like, and he says he was burning something at 5.00 AM on, on a Thursday. He was like, I know. Cause I work the, the third shift on Wednesday. So I'm coming home real late. And that of course it's about Wayne. I really like, but also, you know, this is clearly more circumstantial evidence that he was burning uh, some of the evidence or, you know, children's clothes or what it, whatever it might be. And Bill and uh, Holden then are petition- petitioning the DA for a more thorough warrant based on this, who does not really seem to be all that interested in helping them out <laughs> at all. Because he's just like, again, you don't have any real evidence here the closest mm-hmm. that they all the stuff that they're talking about is things that to be honest are not seen as being anything at the moment right i mean it all adds up to something suspicious but you know one one at a time they're not that crazy and and also again no evidence physically connecting him to any of these murders so mm-hmm. the police are going through that but it turns out the da does award this and the police go through his house, they tow his car, and they they find a book in a drawer, which we don't see the title of just yet. We'll we'll see it here in a minute. And are totally disassembling this car to get any kind of fiber out of it that they possibly can. While meanwhile they've got Wayne Williams in an interrogation room being stripped and swabbed and sampled while Bill watches, you know, through the the uh, two way glass, the two way mirror. And then we see what book it was that they confiscated from his house. And it's a book about beating lie detector tests. Yeah. In no way suspicious, Duncan. Well, no. But what what I love about when this is presented to Bill. (laughs) Bill's like, you know, when you find uh, how to kill boys and throw them in the river book, then, you know, maybe we've got something. But (laughs) it's like, (laughs) it's a bit on the nose, Bill, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, but, you know, I mean, really, there is that kind of sense that we've really got this guy. We All we've got to do is get one piece of evidence and, yes. and we're done. Like, yeah, all the parts, all the parts are kind of there. It's just the one thing in the middle that's going to, you know, link everything together. And then that's our guy, isn't it? Surely. Right. 
Billen and Holden are preparing for this investigation uh, or for this interrogation. Holden begins the interrogation where he goes again back through the schedule for the police stop. You know, it's that same thing of just like, let me catch him in a lie. Let me get him off his game. And- well, yeah, because if you, like, Bo, if you do something, let's see, well, you've already told me what you've done today, right? Uh-huh. We had a chat before we started recording. If I now ask you what you did today, if you've lied about anything, you now have to try and access the part of your creative memory which fabricated that lie and tried to remember exactly what you said to me. And there's a good chance, unless you're a really, really, really good liar, that you're going to make a mistake. Or you're going to miss a detail or you're just not going to tell me the same way that you told me before. Right. If you did do something, though, um, and you were telling me you're recalling memory. And when you recall memory, that's usually a bit better. It's a bit crisper. And as a result, you're likely to tell me the same thing as because you can actually visualize it in your brain. And it turns out Wayne Williams, for all his confidence and bravado, et cetera, et cetera, um, yeah, he, he's not above being human, <laughs> which is that he very, very quickly forgets specific details that you would not forget having told someone two, three days before, like specifically picking up money. Right. Picking up a check. Um, there's also uh, going to the club. Yep. Uh, a club which no one saw him at. Right. No one saw me there. And then they start going back through the the other dates of, of disappearances and kidnappings. And he's like, I don't know. I, I don't know where I was on that day. I was probably just at home. And they're like, well, can anyone cooperate that and he's like i don't think so and they're like okay what about this one and there was one where he was like i don't know i was probably at home playing solitaire and bill says yeah, was there sorry. anyone was there anyone that can uh, uh that can match your story and he's like corroborate me playing solitaire yeah it's very funny uh but again goes to the like the point that wayne williams is even in this moment is incredibly confident yeah. And um so Wayne they also point out that Wayne's father had a 78 Fury which is a cop car and yep. there it, there was a report around one of the the kidnappings that it was somebody in a cop car and there was a police sketch that looks like somebody just did a sketch of Wayne Williams. Yeah, plus he has a prior for having a police scanner in his car and a police light. Right, and a fucking police light, man. (laughs) And this fits specifically the Holden profile. This is one of these weird Holden profile details where he probably dressed like a figure from authority, maybe drove a car similar to a police car. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's like one of those specific things that he had listed out that seems so far-fetched that when it lands, you're like, you know, Holden's just like... Yeah, <laughs> it's him. Can't hold it anymore. Bill, this Bill, is a guy. Bill, it's him. Bill, it's him. Bill, 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 it's him. And we Williams, like he has an answer for everything. Once again, his answer is just plausible enough to maybe be true, but at the same time, leaves a lot more suspicion where you kind of want to follow up one other question. Yeah, and well, and he also says. um that he there's a he got uh the misdemeanor for in person misdemeanor huh, for impersonating the cop <laughs> misdemeanor and then um 
Holden asks him about about Patman, the the kid who wrote music and all that stuff. And Wayne is very much like, I know any of those kids. You know, those those kids are trash. And they're like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, they were, they, you know, I'm not saying that they should have been hurt, but, you know, they were where they shouldn't have been. They were hanging out in should places. never like, use that but when speaking about dead children. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's a bad but. Right. Right. <laughs> For sure. And it's really like this as much as anything, because they had been kind of debating, um, you know, a little bit of uh, like what his motive could potentially be. And we'll get into a, a little bit more of that here in a minute. But he, a yeah. lot of it comes down to, well, I, I think maybe he's just a failure and has always been, you know, or like, yeah. you know, got a taste of a failure, essentially. And well, there's that great, there's a guy, that great Bill line when they're interrogating him specifically about the fact that he has no, he's produced no musical tapes with any of these kids, and he says, "Do you, do you know what I call a record producer uh, who only produces kids and has no music? Fucking pedophile, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, damn." <laughs> <laughs> the fucking gloves come off Bill pretty quick in this, and yeah, it's like this kind of he gives weird little windows into weird little windows into what might be his motivation. Once again, enough to make them think. Right, are we dealing with a different kind of motivation in this serial killer? One that we've not come across before, because certainly he meets the kind of underachiever status of someone like an Ed Kemper or a David Berkowitz. Could that be the motivation? Is it not sexual at all? You know? Because um, Bill also thinks that the reason he is killing them the way he's doing it is because he might be closet homosexual and because these kids are basically for all intents and purposes, some of them are actually like street prostitutes that he sees that as a way to exercise his shame and guilt. Right. And it's like you can almost, it, like weirdly in that kind of Bruce Lee-esque, uh, you know, uh, stream of consciousness phrase of him saying, be like water, because water can be anything. You can pour it and mold it into anything. Like Wayne Williams is almost like this weird repository for about six or seven different, completely different uh, profiles. Like for motivational purposes, uh, it, could, it could go anyway, um, and they're trying to work this out. But he he really gives away this kind of you know it's, well it's the parents to blame these kids shouldn't be where these shouldn't belong you know they shouldn't be out there doing these things and I'm not saying that they should have died because of it but come on let's be honest they're out there you know they know that there's a killer out there and they're out in the streets at times they shouldn't be in places they shouldn't be so you know kind of got what they deserved yeah yeah I mean it's a real like. You know, like you said, you, there there are just some things you don't say, and justifying child murder is is one of them. Yeah, but, whenever you're speaking about kids' deaths, you never put the word "but" in a sentence. Sure. <laughs> That's, it's right. up there with you know, I'm not a racist, but you know, that "but" should never be in that sentence. I'm not sexist, but you know, you don't do like because <laughs> that means that what comes after that is going to completely defeat the first thing you said. It's going to blow it out the water. Yeah. And well, but you know, at the end of the day, his confidence kind of wins out. They don't have anything to keep him. He doesn't confess. 
Nope. So ultimately, they've got to kind of cut him loose. And, you know, much like they did with the dude who was jerking off in the woods, they let him go out the back door. And Well, ar- the DA even says, though, the DA is like that. You're asking him what he did, like, three months ago. Because he's like, he doesn't have an alibi for any of these kills. It's like, you asked him what he did three months ago. I can't remember what I did four days ago. Right. Yeah. Of course, he doesn't have a fucking alibi. <laughs> And they let him go, yeah, they let him go out the back and there's a press conference going on and there's a little twinkle in this guy's eyeball. Yeah, well, he comes around the corner and he sees the commissioner, uh, you know, addressing the press and Holden spies this and starts walking toward him. And in fairness, Wayne Williams is sort of walking towards the press as well. And mm-hmm. it's a real sense of like he is kind of seduced by the limelight to some degree. Yeah. And... Finally, his father is like, Wayne, get in the car, and they drive off, but Holden and he lock eyes, you know, the the, the predator and prey yeah. uh, staring each other down. And then Holden gets uh, a knock on the hotel room door, and it's Tanya, you know, from the, from the lady who uh, got him in touch with the Atlanta Oracles and also is um uh you know a pretty whip smart lady in in her own right uh was mm-hmm. gonna help him with the ballroom all that 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 lady and she shows up and is like huh so you found him huh and he's like what and she's like yeah here it is and you know front page of the paper is like here's the atlanta monster and holden's like look uh yeah we think that's our guy and she's like that is not the killer you know, like you're just trying to pin this on yet another black man and say that it was a black man doing all this. Yeah. And he's like, I look, do you want to come in for a second and we can talk about this? She's like, no, I don't want to come in. And by the way, go fuck yourself. And anyway, so she takes off. He finally gets back to sleep. And the next day he and, and Bill are in the car looking at the, the paper and just being like, well, you know. What do you think this is going to do? This is going to send him further into hiding. He's really yeah, is gonna... this the bit where Bill left early though to go, or is that later? That's later, right? That's cool because we need to talk about that. Yes. So no, this is um, you know, they're like going to hang out at Wayne Williams' place, kind of doing what they were the day before, just observation and pressure and stuff like that. But now that his name is out there in the press, well, this could be a problem. Yeah, they might have difficulty getting a parking space. <laughs> well, yeah, and so what ends up happening is they show up in time to see Wayne Williams come out on his front lawn with a bunch of his flyers and essentially says, you can interview me, but you can't show my face. Yeah. So then there's a repeat performance, like it's Bill and Jim and... and uh Holden watching this interview where you just see like the back of his head or just the face of the, the reporters. And he's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I feel bad for those kids and those families, but again, they shouldn't have never been there in the first place. And just doubling down on, Hey, you know, I, I have very little sympathy. I like for children being murdered, which is not good. Mm -hmm. And like everybody watching this is just like shit this guy he is bill it's him it's him we gotta get him (laughs) and then uh our our team kind of meets with um a dude who called in on the tip line and they've been getting a lot of 
phone calls on the tip line. But Mm -hmm. in this case, it's somebody who says, Hey, I know Wayne Williams. And he says, uh, this friend of Wayne, when he sits down with him, he's like, look, what people see in Wayne Williams is not the only Wayne Williams that there is this dark side. And in fact, he tells this story about how, when they were at, you know, a store or something, there was a a donation box for contributing to help, you know, support the families of these little kids. And he was like, don't do that. You you don't want to support those drop shots. And he, they're like, (laughs) especially Bill's like drop shot. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) And he says, well, no, a drop shot just means you shoot them and drop them because they're just worthless. And then we have this moment where they kind of are starting to solidify sort of that motive profile where they're like, well, maybe the deal is Wayne gave him everything, but he was a failure. And what these kids represent to him is kids like he should have gotten ahead. Yeah, because he was so smart and he was working so hard, but it just never happened. And these kids are out hustling, are trying to get the easy way out or, you know, get easy money and that kind of thing. And that this is an element, you know, of control that ultimately Holden says this is uh, he is plagued by inadequacy and failure and therefore needs to feel some some degree of control. Mm hmm. And then here's where we get the I'm about to leave because there is a, uh, a an interview with the director of the FBI um, where, where once they're back at kind of, you know, murder HQ and it's the director at the FBI saying, um, hey, about this Atlanta thing, we've got an arrest coming really soon. And they're like, fuck, if he announces that on national television that they have now been put on a deadline yeah the clock's now ticking right and that's the point where bill's like later deuces (laughs) and um no i'm sorry i'm sorry this is not the point where that happens i apologize i got ahead of myself no this is where he just goes back to the room and calls nancy but yeah, Nancy he says he's going back for a drink and to call his wife, and he calls his wife, and the phone rings out, and he's like, huh. So he hangs up, then tries phoning her again, the phone rings out. Like, I thought, like, my dark brain went dark, right? like, really dark, and I thought, is there a scenario where either mother has killed child, or child has killed mother? Or or both, that she kills the child and then herself. I was not above that. Oh, right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. I was just that way where I was like, why would the phone ring? And obviously, there's an obvious reason. <laughs> like, right. And, we'll- and I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have made the massive jump into <laughs> some sort of twisted Hollywood story and stuck with what was more plausible. But um, Bill is a bit oblivious to this because his head's not quite in the game. Well, I mean, as Bill is the first to tell you, he's being pulled so many directions at once that it's hard to focus on anything. And so anyway, next day, Bill and uh, Holden go back to Wayne Williams' place and they're like, well, you know, I wonder what, what today is going to bring, what crazy shit is about to happen here. And Wayne Williams comes marching out of his house and tells the press, you want to know what what uh my life is like come with me and the entire 
like procession all the reporters uh bill and holden like everybody goes in chase of wayne williams except for jim who hangs back and so what wayne williams does is he goes to the house of the mayor (laughs) pounds on the horn until the mayor comes out to see what the fuck is going on and sees Wayne Williams shouting at him along with a bunch of reporters filming all of this. And mm-hmm. Wayne Williams is like, come on out here and see what it is, it's like to be me. See what you did to me. But while he's doing this, though. Right. Jim, doing some good old-fashioned detective work, mm-hmm. um, is following, has told uh, do, one of the officers on duty, like, hey, if his father ends up taking off, you need to let me peeking know. out through the curtains as Wayne's getting ready to go. He's like, but he's waiting to see when everyone is left. Right. Just acting uh, super suspicious like everybody in the Williams household, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jim trails him to a fucking private airport uh, where it's, you know, one of those kind of regional airstrips that has charter flights. And so the dad goes inside, comes back out, takes off, and Jim goes inside after uh, Wayne Williams' father has left. And is like, hey, here's my badge. I'm with the FBI. What did that guy just want? And they were like, oh, he was asking about charter flights to South America. And he was like, oh, did he actually get a flight? And he he said no, but he told us he was going to probably give us a call back real soon. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jim is like, <laughs> I think it's him. I've got news that nobody else does. And so there's a moment where like Bill and Holden are again, kind of debating the psychology of Wayne Williams. And Jim comes up and is like, you guys, you guys, his, his dad went to a, a, a private airstrip and got a charter plane and they're like, well, that's what he, so he was distracting us. This, this whole ploy with the mayor and all that shit was just to, you know, do the old dipsy doodle. And now, um, he is a, a legitimate flight risk. Mm-hmm. So anywho, the next day, like they're, Hey, we're going to put a call into the DA, see what we can, if we can at the very le- least get, uh, a warrant that keeps him in town, you know, and, and whatnot, if not an out outright arrest warrant. Um, but the next day they go to kind of stake out the Wayne Williams house and the Atlanta police department shows up and arrests him. And they're like, the fuck is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> did we miss something? Right. When, when did all of this happen? And then they head back to the police station where James Gunn is not James Gunn, Ted Gunn, James Gunn. That would be great. Guys, I'm thinking about James Gunn, Gunn. (laughs) which makes sense for the very end of the episode. Did he kill any great big fat people? (laughs) Um, But they so they meet up with Ted Gunn and they're like, what the fuck just happened? And he was like, well, you know, uh, the Justice Department held a dinner and the district attorney was uh, the guest of honor. And we basically said, you've <laughs> you've got fiber evidence now and that's enough to uh, convict someone on a murder charge. So uh, how about you quit fucking around? And 
bring in a, an arrest warrant. And so that's what happened. But the deal that they made was to get that arrest warrant. Atlanta PD had to be the ones to make it. And Holden's like, ah, who gives a shit as long as the guy's off the street? Who cares? You know, who actually arrested him? Mm-hmm. But very pointedly, he says, well, he's being hauled in for two murders, which were the adults, none of the children. And sure enough, there's a big announcement and the the chief and the commissioner and the mayor and everybody's there to say, hey, we caught this guy. We are charging him for the murders of these two, uh, the, the two adults. But we are confident that as time goes on, we will be able to charge him with more as evidence becomes available, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then Jim comes over to be party pooper for everybody and is like, hey, you remember that kid you talked to in the mall who was talking about uh, people taking pictures and whatnot? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, remember that witness that we had at the beginning of this uh, whole season that was talking about like, oh, there's this yellow house and then there's this brick house and there's another house near the stadium where all these kids go to get pictures but at the time we dismissed it because there were no black kids in the set of polaroids we found in this house yeah something to do with a yellow king and carcosa right i mean it's very much <laughs> that it, but what what turns out has happened is that somebody within the police department basically lost a bunch of evidence that it wasn't like a few hundred polaroids it was more like a few thousand and all of the ones with black kids were removed Yeah. And so Jim is like, this whole time, somebody in the Atlanta police department knew that something else was going on here. And, Mm -hmm. and what it does is it puts this big question mark over the whole investigation because Jim is talking about these rumors of kids getting drugged at some of these houses and stuff like that. So the question is, well, is it Wayne? Is it only Wayne Williams? And that's been a lot of the question of this whole series this season is, is it only Wayne Williams or is there something else going on alongside it and to be honest once again linking back to that atlanta monster podcast they kind of come to the same conclusion like after all this time is they think he's maybe only really responsible for a handful of the murderers but most of the murders because the murders very much like jack the ripper some of these murders continue well after the date that the official case is closed like kids were still dying in manners very similar to the Atlanta Child murders after the date that Wayne Williams was locked away. So, yeah, they just weren't being reported in the same way because the police said they got their suspect in case closed. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, of course. And I mean, but to me, that's very natural of like, we want this to be over, you know? Yeah. And anyway, so now that we have. Wayne Williams, he is he is put away. We have solved the crime. Holden goes uh, to the restaurant where he first met Miss Bell and the Atlanta Oracles, as we call them. Yep. And there he's like, hey, I'm leaving. I just wanted to come by and say this is only a goodbye for now. We are still working on all of this. And she's like, yeah, I just saw them on television talking about these two adults. They didn't mention any of our kids. He's like, I know, but it's ongoing. And. This is all going to be, um, this is just the first step in this process. Yeah. She has a great line as well to do with victory laps. I think it's fucking brilliant. Well, yeah. So she points up at the television where you see, you know, the chief and commissioner, all, all them speaking. And she says, you know what that is? That's a victory lap. That's what you do at the end of a race. 
Yeah. And it, I mean, it's a real smack in the face. And Holden's like, no, no, no. I promise you that like th- your children aren't going to be forgotten. Yeah. Poor, like, sweet, naive Holden is still like, listen, everything's going to be fine. I'll be back. Right. We're, we're not going to stop until we solve every case here. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, just be careful what you promise because you may not, you may not be as in control as you think you are. Yeah. And sure enough, Bill and uh, Holden meet Ted Gunn on the tarmac. <laughs> Greatest fucking scene ever. It's like the, the most David Caruso moment I've, I've seen in Mindhunter yet. Yeah. Where he's just like, hey, everybody, uh, guess what? The director is so happy about how you handled Atlanta. You now have your own private jet. He basically says to them, we are now the front line. Yeah. Like, you know, this is going to enable us to be the first people on the ground for, you know, this level of crime. And he also happens to drop a little nugget of information saying, you know, hey, look, um, the DA is going to prosecute on these two murders. And Holden's like, what about the other kids? What are we going to do about that? And he's like, that's local police's problem. Like the FBI is pulling out. Like we're just kind of advising and help helping catalog some shit, but we're mostly done here. You know, we're, we're helping with the DA a little bit, but we're not investigating any active crimes and Holden is like, son of a bitch. I can't believe I like, I'm, I now have lied to miss bell. Yeah. And of course, what does bill say? Bill says, relax, take a victory lap. Yeah. (laughs) And he's just like, God damn it. And anyway, then we kind of wrap up this season with our characters returning home. Wendy is at home. She finds uh, a magazine. It's the bus stop magazine that Kay had with the relationship quiz. We see her throw it away. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot she was on this show this yeah, episode. Yeah, she did not have any part at all in this last episode. <laughs> right. We'll see you next season, Wendy. And uh, then <laughs> <We're new>. Bill <laughs> returns home, though. Yeah, to like a welcome home banner, a party that's been thrown at the back. Turns out a little sadistic, satanistic Damien's been cured yeah. from therapy. Nance has realized that she overreacted all along and she's, you know, done a bit of decorating in the house. Things are looking fresh and modern. She doesn't need that move anymore. In fact, the neighbors are background uh, and everyone is happy. She hands him a beer when he walks in the door and life's going to be good for Bill, Bo. Yeah, that's uh, totally what happens in the upside down, Duncan. <laughs> now, what what really happens is Bill comes home and ain't shit in the house. Yeah, uh, there, there. Here's what's left in the house: the couch that Nancy didn't want to take. Yep. Uh, the bed without sheets or pillows. Yeah, the the bed that they would have been fucking in, but you know what? They ain't going to be fucking in, which makes us upset because on pod uh, on this particular podcast, you know one thing, Bo. You know one thing. What What do I know? That are phrases, they should be fucking. They should be fucking. But you should be fucking, ladies and gents. In I mean, if we can impart any lesson, it's that you should be fucking instead of doing whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. Unless you're fucking, in which case you should just be fucking a lot more enthusiastically. (laughs) And also if you're listening to us as you fuck. Don't do that. (laughs) Nope. Nice choice. (laughs) Yeah, we're going with the good cop, bad cop opinion on this one. Both says good choice. I'm like, switch this off. No, 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 baby. Scotsman, honestly. No, you just let it happen. <laughs> That's right. This seven hour tantric session, as you've listened to the last three episodes of Duncan and Bo Come Correct. 
It's all worth it now, baby. It's time to release. <laughs> Dominus. So, which is but, the sound of that's the sound I make when I ejaculate. So, yeah, and it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's all for you, Damien. Is what I say. <laughs> and uh, but yeah so bill uh bill now has no nancy no brian which is an upside Um, (laughs) but yeah it doesn't doesn't have shit doesn't have a a a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of as we say Mm -hmm. here in the south and then we cut over to Holden, you know, to make sure everybody has a happy ending uh, in this episode. <laughs> yeah, everyone's everyone's coming out fine. Right. And in this one, it's, it's just Holden, like, eating some scrambled eggs and realizing he's got a little hot sauce on the sleeve of his shirt. He goes to wash it off, and there on the, on the TV, Duncan, um, is uh, the mayor of Atlanta uh just talking about how like hey as far as we're concerned all these these cases are closed uh for the kids like we got the killer and even though he's not charged with these murders we are confident enough that he is the killer that we are no longer going to charge or we're no we're no longer going to continue to investigate these murders mm-hmm. like we got the guy and um holden just feels crushed by this knowing that hey there probably is something else happening that jim found you know and now they they have no recourse yeah so we almost end on a very rare title card at the end of the episode that says as of 2019 none of the remaining 27 cases have uh have been prosecuted yeah um and then duncan we get one last little bit in Junction City, Kansas. And if we're in Kansas, that is BTK. Yeehaw! <laughs> and he is in this cheap motel oh, away from prying eyes of his wife. And he. Goodbye, horses. Dude. <laughs> he, is, he has got a nighty on. He's got a little scarf. Um. He's got his doll mask on. Oh, yeah. That's always a good time. Mm-hmm. And he has arranged trophies of his kills. Yes. On on this bed and set up a Polaroid to take pictures of himself in his doll mask with all his trophies around him. And the last shot of season two is him tightening a noose around his neck. And jerking Ford to start choking himself as he recalls his murders. Yeah. And end season two of Mindhunter. <sighs> and relax. And release. Um, yeah. <laughs> pretty fucking good, man. Like, here, you know, my problem with the season as a whole is something I've alluded to uh, multiple times, which is this uh, this season did not know what the fuck to do with Wendy. And so yeah. kind of doesn't do any, I mean, you're right. I think that her overall arc is that she becomes more assertive and she knows what she wants now, but she hasn't pl- 
played that out in the workplace or anything. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping they really pick up on that season three and flesh that out. I, I, you know, that's kind of where I'm hoping, to, to be honest. I think the problem that the had specifically with trying to get that use in a character is that realistically you are stunted a little bit with what you can do if you're tackling the Atlanta child monster you know you can't really involve her in that and it would have been interesting I think maybe to get her more involved with the Brian stuff if I'm honest because um, I really thought when uh, Bill started leaning in towards that that she would get more involved Um and yeah, it does feel like a bit of a misstep, but I mean, that's to me, that's like really like small potatoes compared to the the absolute wealth of awesome shit that we got just in general. Um, they obviously reined back a little bit in Agent Smith, who I don't think has appeared in like the last three, four episodes, maybe. Um, he's kind of slowly fizzled out a little bit, but. What I kind of love about the way things like led up in this one is we have went from an FBI who is very cynical um, and almost embarrassed to an extent about the work that's being done to now this is the future of the Bureau. Yes. Um, and we could be king kings almost amongst law enforcement. You know, we're the ones that are going to be charting the... The, the kind of new wave of criminal investigation for the next however long. And I think that sort of stuff was done really, really well and really exciting. Once again, the, the actor that plays Holden is fucking brilliant. Um, the actor that plays Bill, fucking brilliant. So the casting is always great in this one. And yeah, I, I, I've really, really enjoyed it. I know that we are definitely getting a season three. I know that David Fincher has apparently outlined to Netflix it's a five-season story arc in total, um, and there's plenty they can be doing with it, like loads. Like We're about to start. Like When you're leaving off from Atlanta Child Murders, you have some really interesting stuff to get into, like, like leading up towards Damar and, and beyond. So I'm kind of hoping that they hit them all. You know what I mean? I, I really want that. Uh, and then obviously, hopefully culminate uh, 2005, I think is when BTK is caught. So, um, or maybe slightly later than that, actually. I think that might be when they come back. So we have a lot of way to go, considering when this season's set. Um, that I hope they get that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a well-acted show. It's such a well-constructed show. Their attention to detail is second to none. I'm kind of with you. I just think we could have done a little bit more uh, with Wendy as a character. I think we we had glimpses of something really interesting there, and it may have been a bit lazy just to be like, oh well, she's she's in another relationship, and that's where we're going to spend our time. Um, kind of feels like it doesn't do justice to that. And if the overall goal was to make her more assertive and more in a position where she's, you know, she's going to fight for the things she wants and not be dragged down by what she thinks people are telling her to be, as opposed to being herself, uh, maybe could have done, you know, there's other vehicles to do that that are more interesting and more fitting of this sort of show. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with all of that. I think, uh, I think it was, it was, it was a lot of fun overall. I really in, in, enjoyed I like a, a good dark procedural. Yeah. And this is, you know, 
aside from the windy stuff kind of best in in class as far as you know this sort of show i Um, think it's 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 occupied a more serious kind of corner that shows like dexter used to to have to an extent this is like the far more kind of serious more grown-up version of that um you know, of covering that sort of the dark subject matter of serial killing in general and you just nasty shit that humans do. Uh, and it is kind of, it's on a different level because it just feels, feels really mature, if you know what I mean? Just like a really well-constructed. But I've always felt that about anything that David Fincher puts his name against. It just, you know, instantly just feels like something that, you know, an adult has made for adults. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd like, I'd, I will say nothing else about it. You can have the final word, Bo. Uh, you know, I, I would only say that I, I think that there is a real opportunity for season three to do something interesting with Wendy, which is just parroting something that you've already said about it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm eager to, uh, to see where the arc of this show goes. Um, because there's a lot of stuff laid out with both, you know, Holden's potential mental illness and, you know, Bill now being kind of unmoored by not having the family that means so much to him. Um, and, and Wendy just, you know, being in a place where, um, she is, she really has nothing left to lose. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm curious where that character goes as well, but yeah, I think, I think it's a great show. Um, we are staring down the barrel of another great show. Uh, and we'll see how the second season of that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says pivoting to the future and we've got ahead of us uh, the second season of the terror this one subtitled infamy I think the terror is one of the best shows uh, in the horror genre whatever was mm-hmm. and I just absolutely loved it so I'm very optimistic about uh, the terror infamy especially since it deals with uh, an element of Japanese horror that also appeals to me very directly um, Duncan, anything you want to say about uh, the terror infamy before we uh, we cast off the the shackles of this season for the freedom of the next? <laughs> Just as you know, the it wasn't originally planned. This is something that's come out purely from the critical success and the audience success of the first season. I love the idea. I love the time period they're going for as well. I, I love the fact that we're doing another kind of period piece. Um, and yeah, like the TV spots and trailers I've seen for it look brilliant. So yes, you you have my attention, Terror. Um, even if you are half as good as that first season, I think we're in for something special. Uh, totally agreed. Duncan, where can people check you out between now and the next time that uh, they hear from you here on this show? Duncan and Bo come correct. <laughs> you can check me out on Podcast Under the Stairs. It can be found on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast, or you can check us out at our website teaputscast.com or visit us on the Flick Chat app. You can join by code and it's all one word, all lowercase, the podcast under the stairs. And for everything um, me related, check out legionpodcasts.com and there you can find shows like Legion Inc. about comic books and Pick 6 Movies about bad movies and making fun of them. Um, and, uh, other stuff that I do here, here, a go show about Asian horror movies. And, uh, I think that's it for now. Eh, yeah. Close enough. And also a number of other shows that have nothing to do with me that are also great. So head over there, check it out. Also on the flick chat, you can find us over on Legion podcasts, uh, all one word, all lowercase. 
And uh, there you can see, if you're into these things, uh, what I buy at the comic shop every week. (laughs) (laughs) So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for participating. Thanks for making this a lot of fun to do. Uh, We will see you next season. Say goodnight, Duncan. Good night, Duncan. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel good. I feel good. Though I know I've done no wrong, I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. Though I know I've done no wrong, I feel good. I feel bad. So bad. Though I ain't done nothing wrong, I feel bad. So bad Though I ain't done nothing wrong I feel bad I never